A Gnome There Was by Henry Kuttner and C.L. Moore. Part 3 You don't seem to mind hitting people when they're knocked out, Crockett hazarded. Oh, it's much more fun, Groove said happily. That way, you can tell just where you want to hit them. Come along. You'll have to be inducted. Another day, another gnome. Keeps the population stable, he explained and fell to humming a little song. Uh, look, Crockett said. I just thought of something. You say human beings are turned into gnomes to keep the population stable. But if gnomes don't die, doesn't that mean that there are more gnomes now than ever? The population keeps rising, doesn't it? Be still, Grumagru commanded. I'm singing. It was a singularly tuneless song. Crockett, his thoughts veering madly, wondered if the gnomes had a national anthem. Probably rock me to sleep. Oh, well. We're going to see the Emperor, Gru said at last. He always sees the new gnomes. You'd better make a good impression, or he'll put you to placer mining lava. Ah, uh, Crockett glanced down at his grimy tunic. Hadn't I better clean up a bit? That fight made me a mess. It wasn't the fight, Gru said insultingly. What's wrong with you, anyway? I don't see anything amiss. My clothes, they're dirty. Don't worry about that, said the other. It's good filthy dirt, isn't it? Hair! He halted, and, stooping, seized a handful of dust, which he rubbed into Crockett's face and hair. That'll fix you up. I... <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> said the newest gnome. I hope I'm dreaming, because if I'm not... He didn't finish. Crockett was feeling unwell. They went through a labyrinth, far under Dornsif Mountain and emerged at last in a bare, huge chamber with a throne of rock at one end of it. A small gnome was sitting on the throne, paring his toenails. Bottom of the day to you, Gru said. Where's the emperor? Taking a bath, said the other. I hope he drowns. Mud, 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 morning, noon, and night. First it's too hot, then it's too cold, then it's too thick. I work my fingers to the bone, mixing his mud baths, and all I get is a kick. The small gnome continued plaintively. There's such a thing as being too dirty. Three mud baths a day, that's carrying it too far. And never a thought for me. Oh, no, I'm a mud puppy, that's what I am. He called me that today, said there were lumps in the mud. Well, why not? That damned loam we've been getting is enough to turn a worm's stomach. You'll find his majesty in there. The little gnome finished jerking his foot toward an archway in the wall. Crockett was dragged into the next room, where in a sunken bath filled with steaming brown mud, a very fat gnome sat, only his eyes discernible through the oozy coating that covered him. He was filling his hands with mud and letting it drip over his head, chuckling in a senile sort of way as he did so. Mud, he remarked pleasantly to Gru McGrew in a voice like a lion's bellow. Nothing like it. Good, rich mud. Ah! Gru was bumping his head on the floor, his large, capable hand around Crockett's neck, forcing the other to follow suit. Oh, get up, said the emperor. What's this? What's this gnome been up to? Out with it. 
He's new, Gru explained. I found him topside. The Nidlaw, you know. Yes, of course. Let's have a look at you. Urgh, I'm Podrang II, Emperor of the Gnomes. What have you to say to that? All Crockett could think of was, How can you be Podrang II? I thought Podrang III was the first emperor. A chatterbox, said Podrang II, disappearing beneath the surface of the mud and spouting as he rose again. Take care of him, Gru. Easy work at first, digging anthracite. Mind you don't eat any while you're on the job, he cautioned the dazed Crockett. After you've been here a century, you're allowed one mud bath a day. Nothing like em, he added, bringing up a gluey handful to smear over his face. Abruptly, he stiffened. His lion's bellow rang out. Druk! Druk! The little gnome Crockett had seen in the throne room scurried in, wringing his hands. Your Majesty, isn't the mud warm enough? You crawling blob, roared Podrang too. You slobbering offspring of six thousand individual offensive stenches. You mica-eyed, incompetent, draggle-eared, writhing blot on the good name of gnomes. You geological mistake. You, you! Droke took advantage of his master's temporary inarticulacy. It's the best mud, your majesty. I refined it myself. Oh, your majesty, what's wrong? There's a worm in it, his majesty bellowed and launched into a stream of profanity so horrendous that it practically made the mud boil. Clutching his singed ears, Crockett allowed Grumagru to drag him away. I'd like to get that old boy in a fight, Gru remarked when they were safely in the depths of a tunnel. Uh, but he'd use magic, of course. That's the way he is. Best emperor we've ever had. Not a scrap of fair play in his bloated body. Oh, said Crockett blankly. Well, what next? You heard Podrang, didn't you? You dig anthracite, and if you eat any, I'll kick your teeth in. Brooding over the apparent bad temper of gnomes, Crockett allowed himself to be conducted to a gallery where dozens of gnomes, both male and female, were using picks and mattocks with furious vigor. This is it, Gru said. Now, you dig anthracite. You work twenty hours and then sleep six. Well, then what? Then you start digging again, Gru explained. You have a brief rest once every ten hours. You mustn't stop digging in between, unless it's for a fight. Now, here's the way you locate coal. Just think of it. Eh? Well, how do you think I found you? Gru asked impatiently. Gnomes have certain senses. There's a legend that fairy folk can locate water by using a forked stick. Well, we're attracted to metals. Think of anthracite, he finished, and Crockett obeyed. Instantly, he found himself turning to the wall of the tunnel nearest him. See how it works? Gru grinned. It's a natural evolution, I suppose. Functional. We have to know where the underneath deposits are, so the authorities gave us this sense when we were created. Think of ore, or any deposit in the ground, and you'll be attracted to it. Just as there's a repulsion in all gnomes against daylight. Eh? Hey? 
Crockett started slightly. What was that? Negative and positive. We need ores, so we're attracted to them. Daylight is harmful to us, so if we think we're getting too close to the surface, we think of light and it repels us. Try it. Crockett obeyed. Something seemed to be pressing down the top of his head. Straight up, Gru nodded. But it's a long way. I saw daylight once, and a man, too. He stared at the other. I forgot to explain. Gnomes can't stand the sight of human beings. They, well, there's a limit to how much ugliness a gnome can look at. Now you're one of us, you'll feel the same way. Keep away from daylight, and never look at a man. It's as much as your sanity is worth. There was a thought stirring in Crockett's mind. He could then find his way out of this maze of tunnels simply by employing his new sense to lead him to daylight. After that, well, at least he would be above ground. Groomagrew shoved Crockett into a place between two busy gnomes and thrust a pick into his hands. There. Get to work. Thanks for... Crockett began, when Gru suddenly kicked him and then took his departure, humming happily to himself. Another gnome came up, saw Crockett standing motionless, and told him to get busy, accompanying the command with a blow on his already tender ear. Perforce, Crockett seized the pick and began to chop anthracite out of the wall. <laughs>